You're listening to the World Football Programme with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Good morning, WA. My name's Sean Kelly, and this is the World Football Programme, and we're on air for the next two hours. Thanks to Frank and Jerry for a wonderful Celtic ramblings. Always good to uh, follow those boys into the studio. A couple of good lads they are. And in two hours will be Lenny with the Jazz Show. Joining me in the studio today, I have Peter Skeeler, the A-League Statsman. <laughs> How you going, Sean? Good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Are you bleary-eyed? Have you been staying up watching Euros, or...? I'm bleary-eyed, but only because I've been looking after my grandchildren, and one of them decided that three o'clock in the morning was an appropriate time to get up. <laughs> Maybe they wanted to get up, and, and then the spent next the next well, the the next three hours every five minutes going, "Is it get up time yet? Is it get up?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, a bit bleary-eyed, but other than that, no, pretty good. Um, lots going on out there in the wonderful world of football. Uh, last night was the MGP, the most glorious player. Yep. Um, a couple of things there. Bruno Fornaroli um, was the the winner. Yep. But uh, I thought it was interesting that our little Japanese import there, if he'd have played the whole season. I, I was a bit surprised by that. Um, really? The first couple of games, I thought he was excellent. Yep. And then after that, it was sort of back down to squad level, not really stand out. Yeah, but you're a hard man. Yeah. I still think he, I still think no one in the league crosses the ball better than him. But Well, that's true. I think the first couple of games where I did see him, there had been less beer consumed while watching the game, so maybe I was a bit more focused then. Yeah, yeah, it does tend to impair judgment. <laughs> um, but the uh, Dylan Tombidi's award um, went to Luke Bodnar, who's just signed a two-year contract. And yep. for a first season, um, Luke went from someone who was in and out to someone who was holding down his own. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and a lot of those younger players have stepped up, so it's really good to see that happening. Yep. And, uh, a couple and, of and they've re-signed as well, uh, three yeah. of them, so that's, that's good. Unfortunately, we're losing D'Agostino. Yeah. But, um, yeah, still keeping some of the young lads. 
Look, as much as I, I personally like Daggers, he, he wasn't getting a run. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be yeah. interesting. I don't know if anything's been announced as to where he's going, if he's staying in the A-League or if he's had an offer from overseas. But mm. Yeah, interesting. And then, obviously, the uh, MGP for the women was the defender Elizabeth Anton. Yes. So really good there. And they, I think Caitlin Douglas and... Um, yeah, I saw that. They they won the... Um, shared the Golden Boot Award, which was a bit of a... Sort of a cheeky award because, as we know, the women didn't have a great season, and I was kind of curious to see. So they they won the golden boot for the glory, uh, with two goals for the season each. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I know, but that, look, it was a a very difficult season. Yeah, it was for, a tough season. Glory and, and Hannah Larry, um, I, I believe hers were two stunning crackers. So yes. You can't can't take oh, yeah. it away. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, not yeah. to sack anything. And I've noticed the glory have done a lot of announcements in the last month or two about uh, signing. Oh, they've certainly the signed a lot already. of women so they, early. They seem to be, yeah, compared to last season, they're I really think they're ahead of the men for next year anyway. Yeah, yeah. true. Um, lots of other football going on around the, the world. You've got the obviously the Euros, um, which we'll talk <laughs> about later, and we've got the Copa de America and a few yep. other things going on. So on today's program, we're going to talk to Abid Amen, who is the member services um Manager or agent, I can't remember what they call it now. Engagement lead. Yeah, engagement lead, that's the one. And uh, we're going to see how he's settling into the um, the, the role yep. and talk to him about the member raffle because that's still going on and uh, a few other things, including ugly parent syndrome because it's been in the media a lot this week. Yep. Um, Mike Ellis from or former Wildcat. Mm-hmm. Um, used to say they used to get helicopter parents. Now we get Blackhawks because they're attack helicopters, <laughs> which I thought was a lovely line, and that's it's very true. Yeah. Um, we we'll talked to Dale Wingle of the club that you support, Coburn. Coburn. Yeah. Um, we'll see where they, why they're where. It's they're all at. about the cup this season. It's all about the cup this season. No, that's that's a good focus to have. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Forget about the league. We're focused on the cup. Stay safe in the league and and focus on the cup. That's uh, that's it now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all good. And that that's coming up this week too. Yes. Semi-finals. Yeah. And then we'll talk to Derek Pollock. Yes. Um, he's going to give us his spin on the Euro 2020. Um, but very interesting combination. He will be bleary-eyed, by the way. Yep, yep. Um, he was up <laughs> <laughs> um, watching the, the game between England and Scotland last night. And then we're going to close out with Greg Farrell, who is from WA Futsal. Uh, he's one of our sponsors. But we'll talk to him about what's happening in WA Futsal. We'll talk to him about the Matildas and the uh, their Olympic preparation. There's lots of different theories on their preparation and, and how they've been going. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll get his perspective on it and um, then we'll follow up with some WMPL and see how he sees that playing out with the Redbacks sitting pretty at the top at the moment, yep. halfway through. So a bit so to it's go a on. Solid, solid show to get through today. Absolutely it is. Um, so we'll go to a break and uh, hopefully we'll come back with a bid. So we'll be back in a moment. Take that one. Hit the right button. Oh, yeah. You're listening to the World Football Programme with all the latest updates from both local and international football. 
Well, I don't know that happened, Pete, but someone pushed the wrong button. I don't oh, know. It's gremlins in, in the system. In the system, yeah. Anyway, good news is I do have Abid Amin on the line. So we will talk to Abid and see how he's going with his role with Football West. Um, so joining us on air now is Abid. Good morning. How are you? Good morning to the team. Yeah, really good. And a very good morning to the listeners as well. Um you're new to Football West this year. Have have you found your role? Yeah, it, as the club engagement lead, it's been fantastic to get out to the community and meet with our clubs and associations um, and promote things like our Building Stronger Clubs program. It's been really, really great to be able to meet uh, our, our people in the community, our volunteers, people on committees and coaches, referees, and just to listen and, and learn and, and see how uh, Football West can support. And uh, we, we've been able to respond over the last six months that I've joined by introducing things like the Clubhouse on our website, uh, the Football West website, where we've got you know, adaptable resources that um, committees can use to create policies and, and make life easier at club level. So, um, you know, just a few days ago, I was in Sunbury and it was really cool to meet uh, clubs in the southwest, and I'll be out in Karatha in a few days' time to meet the junior soccer association. So, in a state as as large as WA, you know, we really uh, care about uh, the clubs all across our, our vast state as well. Yeah, I must admit the look. The website has been something I've been quite critical of for a while. Um, it's getting better. Uh, some of the stuff on there for the clubs is really, really good. Um, lots of guidance there on governance, which. Um, I think we need to be stronger on. And um, there's just a lack of... A, it's very hard to find things on there at times. You, you have to kind of have a science degree to work and navigate through it, and a search engine would help. But, you know, other than that, it has been improving, and, and obviously Footwest have been listening to the feedback that they've had on the website. So that's really good. Mm. Yeah, no, fantastic to hear that. And yeah, absolutely, it's about listening and being responsive, and um, it, it's it's there for the football community, so it has to serve that purpose for sure. And, and talking of served its purpose, uh, Football West has had a long association with smoke, uh, smarter than smoking, mm-hmm. and um, you know, just talking to Pete before the show, where, wherever we go, um, we certainly in Clubland, there's there's not too many smokers around. Even when you go to the Glory game and you walk out the gate at half time the number has certainly dramatically diminished. Do you, do you think that that message has, has got through or we've, we've reached saturation point on that message? Well, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's great that you've seen that as well. And you know, Healthway, through Smarter Than Smoking, have been a really fantastic partner for Football West and have noticed that you know through football clubs, which are positive environments where you can spread really important messages like this, that we can leverage that and uh, and right now we're, we're pivoting to the think mental health message through mm-hmm. healthway which is going to be really important at this time so there'll, there'll be resources for our clubs and and recognizing that how do we create some cultures and how do we enhance environments where people can feel comfortable to talk about their feelings and and and, and share so and ask how your mates are doing so that's really important uh, especially through the times we've been through recently 
Absolutely, but there's, there are other elements to it and there's, you know, a lot of it is about communication. Um, recently, talking to people in the club, we've got a, um, a young fellow we've got to wrap around and look after, um, but we didn't know about it because he wouldn't talk about it. So, um, you know, people kind of put on this, this facade and a brave front and give you the idea that everything's going well until it's not. Mm. And then all of a sudden you're going, well, why didn't you tell us? And I think that's the message that needs to come through. It's, it's about, it's not weak to speak up. Oh, you're so correct with that. And absolutely, you know, it can, you know, when you ask a mate how they're going, there's also some incredible referral services out there. And that's yep. what through Think Mental Health Football West is going to be keen to um, you know, promote resources that have and empower people at Clubland to be able to, to ask how your mates are going, but also to follow up through um, you know, referring to think services like Beyond the Blue that, that are out there and they're free and, and they save lives, literally. So I'm um, so important. And, and clubs, through having, working through, um, you know, so many young people are involved in our game, young people, people in these target demographics that uh, will benefit from the message as well. And also very much a multicultural game. So um, recently we, we've been through Ramadan and you've got guys who are competing at a very high level in, in elite sport, whether it's in the State League or the NPL. And, you know, they're, they're, they're going through the fast. And it's about you know, making sure that you're looking after them as well because um, some of them do push themselves too far. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the beauty of football, you know. And I'll, I'll look at Liverpool and I think uh, Jurgen Klopp was saying, you know, look at our dressing room, we've got players from all over the world and that absolutely is the case here in, uh, in our local game. Mm. A great way to learn about different cultures and with Ramadan uh, as one example, it's, uh, it's a time where there just needs to be a bit of flexibility, adaptability and um, maybe empathy on, you know, what the players are going through and... Uh, just adapting some of those training regimes and expectations for that time. Exactly. That, that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. And, you know, if you don't tell someone, um, they're expecting you to, to go at that level. And it's, it's, not, it's not quite right, particularly in training, as you say, where, where we do tend to push the envelope a bit. Yeah, 100%. Um, now, the, in the media recently, there's been um, a lot of talk about um, ugly parent syndrome in a number of sports. Um, I think Mike Ellis was talking about tiger mums and helicopter parents, <laughs> and and then he termed and I love this term the the black hawk, the attack helicopter parent. Um, and it seems that we we have elements of that in our game. And and what do we have that that helps us to protect the kids, um, the coaches, and the referees? First of all, in addressing that, I think uh, we need to acknowledge that you know our parents and guardians in the game serve such an important role because they help to nurture the, the love of the game for the younger people, and you know the logistics of even getting to training and matches, and and so many of the parents and guardians are doing the right thing and being positive role models, and we need to we need to really acknowledge that. That's mm -hmm. a beautiful thing about the game and sports and. And also, what you mentioned, I haven't heard the Black Hawk one before, but that's a uh, yeah, very uh, interesting one, for sure. <laughs> what we do, what, you know, the, the club, and I mentioned in culture and environment already, and philosophy, vision, mission of the clubs, 
these things, um, you know, through policy, but also action. And through the clubs, you have an opportunity to, to spread messages of respect and respect for not only yourself, but the club that you're representing, the referees who serve such an important purpose. And we need to talk about, you know, the split second, split second decisions they're making in real time and the, the difficulty of that, that role as well and, and how referees play such an important role, the coaches, and just respect being such an important, integral part of everything that football stands for. So at Football West, we've, I've mentioned the clubhouse on our website, and that's where clubs can go on. And you can find from uh, Play by the Rules, which is uh, sport integrity, you know, a bit of a um, like the best practice sort of resources. But we've got spectator behaviour policy templates and codes of conduct that clubs can look at and say, well, we might need to adapt this a little bit for our circumstances, but... So that's stuff that they can start to implement and, and it helps to create better cultures um, on the pitch side as well. Yeah, and you talk about mem- the member protection policy as well, which is also uh, another part of that envelope that can be helped. But, um, I mean, I've, I've seen some of the, the, the ugly sides of this game um, in the last couple of years and I think, you know, when, when you've got... Um, Eight-year-olds and and the, or nine-year-olds and the coach of that team being mobbed by parents from one side um, because of a decision he's made. You, you're going. Uh, there's something seriously wrong here. We've got eights and nines who have been sucked out of community community clubs to go and play in an elite eight or nine competition. I don't know where that actually exists, but they're told you know if you want to be a, a player in the future, you need to come to the NPL club as an eight-year-old and it. Just seems to go against the culture. There's a lot of focus on winning. Um, I've seen some clubs who, on their internal Facebook pages, will put that their their under eights are winning the league. And I don't ever remember that being part of the mm. the, the small sided games. It's all about enjoying the game and development of skills rather than the, the focus on winning. Absolutely, you're right there. What you touched upon. Uh, enjoyment of the game and there's so much research around why do kids play sport and, and football and when you look at the the motivational the intrinsic motivations for kids to play sport it's for fun it's to learn new skills to make friends community connections and and that's what it's all about really and and, um, and that's what the vast majority and you know big ups to the people who are doing the right thing and we, we we want to support that and, and promote that and and that's how you create role models and, and better better behaviour as well. Yeah, and I think like the MPL has has created a player pathway, but it's also created this elitist um, group where people, and particularly you know, the, like the, the Tiger Mum mentality where they will do everything to make sure that their child is destined for success, um, except this isn't mathematics or music, this is sport, which is a little bit more enigmatic but you've got people that will um, push coaches and push people and, and basically will bully and intimidate other people for the, the benefit of their child and their development. And I think, you know, once those cultures are starting to, to bubble up, very hard to put them back down. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing you on that. So, yeah, it's the cultural piece, is, it's a, that's the big one for us and, and supporting clubs who are looking to to promote good cultures and and, mm. um, and have you know, positive experiences for the participants. And it's all about, at the very centre of everything, it's about the players and 
and then having a good time so it helps to retain players in the sport. Yeah, I did see one of the local coaches was running a um, a parents training session. So, you know, as well as um, training the the kids in in the the skills of the game, they were also running um, sessions for the parents in how best to support your child. I thought that was a wonderful initiative. Yeah, that is that's that's really good to hear. Um, absolutely, and those types of things are examples of proactive uh, clubs who are working on, on those types of things to always look at improving. So that's mm. awesome. Uh, Abid, is there anything Football West can actually do or would actually do to step in if they thought a club was going sort of the wrong way with, with the, you know, forcing or, you know, you know promoting the under-8s as, you know, league winners and, and so forth? Is there a point where, where Football West would actually step in and do something and, and what would they do? wouldn't intervene in those like uh, uh, in my six months of Football West and working with clubs (laughs) nothing like that has come across my desk for instance so I can't speak on other other circumstances but there are times when clubs ask for advice on how can we you know retain our players and how can we make sure players enjoy their experience at our club and and that's where we we provide some advice and share um, learnings from other clubs on what are some suggestions on um, you know, enhancing the experience for the players? And one of those would be, you know, yeah, maybe absolutely. Look at some awards for different different things within the game, not just how many goals you score, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just see there's other things that happen. I mean, I've been involved in juniors for for an awful long time, um, and I, I don't ever remember before these sorts of things happening. Um, I know years ago I ejected the coach because he was shouting out chop him in an under-7s game. But um, So it's been around for... That's, yeah. That element has been around for a long time. But, you know, these days it's a lot more complex landscape for kids with the social media access to Facebook, um, the parents who are either both working or the, the dad's away on the mines. There's a lot of blended families. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on that we don't understand. And we go back into that um, headspace area. Um, a lot of troubled kids for which football is the outlet. Um, I, I've known of kids with ADD who really struggled at school, but on a football pitch they blossomed and because of the, their ability to play football, um, they, they grew in confidence, which then helped them in school. So mm. sport's a massive thing. But you've got, you know, and I, I know of one recently where in a, in a small-sided game, under eights, nines or something like that, there was a, an incident where a kid has lashed out at someone and they, they want them, so, so, some of the parents want this kid suspended. I've never known of an under eight to be mm. in, a, in front of a tribunal and being suspended. And I think there's, there's other ways of dealing with this, particularly if you don't know the history of the kid. Absolutely. And, you know, through the game, it's producing good players. But that's one of the goals for the game and, and clubs, I, I guess, but also to produce good people. And it's, it's, it's education as well through playing the game. Yeah. What the things you learn and the behaviours and the life skills. So, yeah, I hear what you say on that. Yeah, there was, I think it was, I can't remember who it was now, it was one of the Arsenal players, but he, he did say that um, playing football was about, you know, Becoming in that for him, becoming an elite footballer, but also it's about becoming a decent human being. So I think that's part of the the issue. And and when we look at the the player pathway being a pyramid, um, yeah, the the very tip of the pyramid may make it as a 
as a professional locally, nationally or internationally, but you want at the base of the pyramid kids who are 18, 19, 20 are still playing the game, loving it, and they're playing in Social League Division 7 and just having a fat time. And that's, that's what it's about. It's about having that outlet, that escape, and just enjoying playing the game at the best level you can. Oh, mate, absolutely. And, and the beauty of football is that you can start at you know, mini ruse and then go all the way to, to walking football. And you can play at any level... Uh, that it's such an accessible game as well. So, you know, we're two, we've got 250 clubs yeah. and 20 associations. And, but you know, but it, it's, it's more than that. You, I mean, the thing is you, you can play right way up to walking football. When you're too old for it and can barely walk like Hugh, you, um, <laughs> you, you end up playing Sabutio. Uh, and, and then you've also got the option for, for the, we talk about an inclusive sport, there are wheelchair, power wheelchair games. You know, it, it just doesn't stop. Um, you can play electronically in e-games. You know, there's just so much statistics yeah. uh, is another big part of it. So the game gives to everybody in different ways. And I think if you can, uh, under eights and under nines, and that engender that love of the game, it's something that stays with you your whole life. Yes. And you, know, you think about why is football the number one sport in the world? And it's probably because of its simplicity, mm-hmm. but also its complexity at the same time because you, you look at the tactics of the game and the beauty of some of the fantastic moves you see at Euro 2020 on, on the on the TV screen, but the simplicity is that you just need a ball and you need two goals and yeah. anyone can play and everyone's equal with the ball at their feet. So that's it. It actually matches a description I, on a completely different subject, had, had um, heard describing a good video game which is easy to learn and impossible to master yeah uh, and and that's literally what football is anyone can sit down and get a ball or oh, sorry stand there and get a ball and kick it around but you yeah. can keep learning and learning and learning forever and still not even get anywhere near uh the skills of some people uh, and I'll, I'll correct you on one thing you, you don't even need two goals you only need <laughs> one um we, now we used to play when i was growing up in in england we used to play a game called Wembley where you had one goalkeeper and two teams competing to try and score in the same goal. It was very interesting. <laughs> but, you know, it was great. We, we had fun. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's adaptable. Um, we played with stones, tin cans, oranges, whatever, anything that was roundish. Yep. We'd, we'd play with. Um, goals were quite often just a jumper or a bag and, yeah, that was it. That so, is. yes, very accessible. Um, now, we, we've gone through some, some tough stuff, some rough stuff, and you know, I think what you're doing with Headspace will be brilliant going forward if it's, a, is a, if it's a, as effective as the Smart and the Smoking campaign. We're in for a good ride. Mm-hmm. Um, the other success is the Hyundai Raffle. Um, how's that going? For me, from a club perspective, it's a fantastic thing. Very easy to push when every single dollar that you sell comes back to your club. Oh, yeah, so great to hear that um, that feedback as well. So that's exactly what we want. And uh, I'll just correct that. It's not the Headspace partnership that we've got, but it's actually called through Health... Um, health through way. Yeah, think, think mental health. health. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. But, um, I'll definitely acknowledge that Headspace are doing some work with our clubs, some of our clubs. And yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really great, uh, the proactive stuff that some clubs are doing with Headspace. So oh, look... I talked to a chaplain that's involved with Mum recently and because of something that's happening within our club 
Now reach out to him for one of our guys because, you know, that's another thing, another part of that wraparound that we've got to have for someone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then on that, on the raffle, uh, the Hyundai Community Football Raffle for WA, awesome partnership. And uh, you've probably seen on Facebook, on the Football West page, that I've had the joy or the very tough job of uh, the, the major prize, the, the sedan I-30. I've actually been able to drive it around to 20 of our clubs <laughs> and uh, take it down to a few training sessions and park it on the grounds and it's been a miracle that uh, no footballers have struck the car. So um, I, I've been able to return it back to Hyundai unscathed. But uh, <laughs> that will be the major prize for one of the lucky people in the, the WA football community who purchases a $2 ticket from a club. Uh, and I think, you know, I think there was a close to 500,000 tickets booked up by clubs. Yeah. Which yep. means, you know, simple math, at $2 a ticket, that's a lot of money going back to clubs. And, you know, it's really tangible financial support that um, you know, clubs can implement and, and their projects they want. And I remember going out to Ashfield Soccer Club and meeting the president there, uh, Phil Kelly, and we did a video for Football West to promote the, the raffle and they were able to purchase through the 2019 raffle, um, you know, the VO software for, for, for filming some of the uh, football activities and also a point of sale um, uh, system. So fantastic way for Football West and Hyundai to support the clubs so definitely recommend anyone listening to, to tap up your club and see how you can buy a ticket and you, know, you can't win if you're not in, in the lottery so yeah that's it, you have to be in it to win it as they say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, look, it's a it's a great initiative, and to get behind it, we do do we have a lot of tickets left, or are we um, we're going because it still goes to the end of the season, doesn't it? Yeah, it goes to the end of the season. Um, check out with your club because they'll have the physical tickets if they booked up for them. Yeah. Or you can actually hop online, and if you want to do it in the, the quick and easy way, you can actually purchase online and just at um, at the point of purchase mention which club you are supporting and then that club will get the their funds um, sent to them later on so right. a really efficient way of doing that and talking about building stronger clubs the grant is still open i believe yeah absolutely thanks for, uh, for mentioning that one it's a fantastic way as well for clubs who want their projects to be supported by football west to um to get fifteen hundred dollars and That'll be open for another two weeks. So the yeah. 28th of June is the closing date. And, yeah, loving seeing all the different types of um, projects that clubs are wanting to get supported at the moment. Uh, for instance, we've got the website development through Computing Australia Group. Uh, we can do a website for you and, and, and they can uh, their, their team can do, do an awesome job in that space. Um, all the way to, to buying a, a new set of goals. As you said, you can only just get. Sometimes you just need one set of goals, <laughs> um, and and also equipment and and different strategic projects as well. So, yeah, but if you look uh, at get it, on board on the clubhouse, uh, Sorry, that mate. that fifteen hundred bucks would would seed a fledgling walking football program, couple of goals and some balls and yeah, some markers would be great. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so be creative. Um, get those grants in. Um, is there anything else we've missed out on with your role that you're doing? Um, I know that there's a the state teams have been selected lately for the under 16s, but um, is there anything else going on in your your world that you want to get out there? Yeah, uh, maybe one quick one was 
we've recently rolled out a new initiative called Best of the West. And this is about celebrating the, the fantastic volunteers uh, across our football community. And what we're doing is uh, through the clubhouse, if you go in the programs area, you can go in and, and, um, and nominate uh, through an online form your volunteer and their story. And what we'll do is we'll create a digital football card, a bit like the old Panini stickers, hmm. uh, of, the, of the volunteer. Um, and then we'll also put it on the clubhouse on a bit of a wall of, wall of fame. Yep. So a great way to recognise the great people in our community. And if you, if you go on Facebook, you'll see the competition we did for the first 11 of May. Uh, and just to read the comments, it's yeah. been so touching to see. Amazing. Look, there are lots of great volunteers out there and, and people don't understand the amount of time they give. I think um, a lot of people think that football exists for just the time you're playing the game. But when you look at what uh, club secretaries, presidents and other people do behind the scenes, they spend as much, if not more time than the players do in the club and, and working away from the club, engaging with council, etc. So, yeah, definitely got to back those people. That's it. They lay the platform so players can play and yep. you know, get the teams out there and, and that type of thing so unsung heroes that we're we're really proud to be able to, to showcase and um, put on a pedestal for sure excellent and one last thing before we go the home of football how's that going yeah absolutely uh, the team's working hard on that and i know it's uh, on track on track and uh the site is there and it's very very exciting for us to have a home where football west can finally you know, have our admin facilities and have matches and, and teams can, can train it's, and, and walking football and all types of programs can can uh, call it home. So it's definitely an exciting space and, and we have our project team working on that so, yeah. so they can provide an update down the line if you need. Oh yeah, look, I'll definitely be talking to some of the people um, in your office about that as we go forward. Um, I like the idea of a walking football comp there because it's not too far from me and I have no excuse for not going then. Um, so yeah, really really good to hear. Look, Abid, thank you for your time this morning. Um, value the work that you do for Football West and the work that Football West does for the rest of us. Um, there's a lot going on out there and I know it's it's very easy to, to get brickbats for what you do, but a lot of people don't get the whole picture so everything we can do to educate and and communicate what you're doing um is a great help thank you very much for being on thank you and well done on the work you do through the show as well and uh, i just want to say hello to everyone tuning in as well i hope uh, i hope it's a good weekend of football wherever you are no worries thank you very much all right take care bye see ya Abid Amen, um, he's the member services. What would we say? Was agent um, Eight, uh, member services engagement? engagement there we that's go. It, yeah, lead. That's the word. Lead. Um, yeah, look, terrific bloke, uh, and they do do a lot of good work. And I think some of those things, like the raffle. Yep. Um, if you think about it and you're creative with it, you can really make it work for your club. We've chucked up a link for the raffle and for the uh, Best of the West nominations on the Facebook page too. So Marvellous. They were available anyway, but if you're already on our Facebook group, you'll, you can get to them from there as well. Absolutely. No, that's terrific. All righty. So um, lots going on out there in, in the world. We talked... Plenty going on. Yeah. We haven't talked about the NPL yet though, have we? No, we haven't. We can. Yes. Do you want some results? Yes, please. All right. So here we go with some results from the NPL. So last weekend, uh, Inglewood United had a 2-1 win over Armadale. Coburn City travelled up to Sorrento. Uh, Sorrento taking that one 2-1 as well. 
Perth Glory and Perth uh, played out a one-all draw. Florida Athena had a 5-1 away win over Balcatta. Rockingham City hosted Bayswater City, Bayswater winning that one 1-0, and ECU Joondalup and Gwellup Croatia played out a one-all draw. So the, uh, looking at the NPL table, and it, it actually makes quite grim reading for us people who are based south of the river because the bottom three teams are Armidale, Coburn and Rockingham in that order. Mm-hmm. Uh, Floriot sitting top of the table with 10 wins and two draws, no losses no. Uh, in the season. So hopefully hopefully they might get one on um, Tuesday night in the Cup. Yep. Uh, no bias coming in there. Uh, Perth in second place, but already 11 points behind of a fair distance already. So Floriot looking good for the title, for the league title. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and neither Floriot or Coburn are playing today. No. I, uh, the game was played back before the lockdown on a Tuesday night. Yes. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So that I was a round, they, they round moved, six yeah, game. They yeah, they moved fixtures around. Okay, they didn't move go. it. Though. They had their game on a Tuesday night <laughs> and as as a result, yeah. the COVID lockdown came in and everyone else didn't play. So yeah. so uh, the, the fixtures for today, we got uh, Gwellup Croatia uh, away to Perth SC. Bayswater City hosting Inglewood United, Balcatter at home against ECU Joondalup, Rockingham City hosting Sorrento. Would that be about the longest distance a team's got to travel in the NPL, Rockingham to Sorrento? Probably no one. No, you, you've got Mandrag in the State League. Mandra, yeah, state, Mandra, state League. Uh, Mandra yeah. go up to Quinns. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm talking the NPL. So Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go. I'm just getting you ready for, for the State League. That's state all, League yeah, as well. Because you might and, need to know about them next year. And <laughs> well, thanks for that. Uh, Armadale uh, hosting Perth Glory is the uh, final match. Yeah, no, lo- lots of good games out there despite Florida not playing today. And for the record, when I was playing with Coburn uh, Amateurs, we did do an away game to Geraldton. So I think that one wins the distance derby. Uh, Belia are going up there to, uh, for this weekend. Yeah? Yeah, uh, that beats the distance. That's a, it's a fantastic weekend. <laughs> i just got to say, that's a great weekend. Oh, look, and, and one of the great losses from the State League was Bunbury because everyone looked forward to the, the Bunbury trip. Most yep. of them lost because the focus was the trip and not the game. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's a great thing to be involved in. And, look, it's all part of the game. You build those relationships with people. Yes. Um, a lot of my friends when I was in Albany played for Albany in the State League when Albany came up. Yeah. And, you know, they just love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's a good away trip. When and was, uh, I do recall seeing Albany... Uh, listed in the past, but it must have been a long time ago. It was a long, long time ago, yeah. You'd think these days with, you know, travel and, you know, being supposedly... You say that, but you look at the FFA Cup, you have teams that are drawn in Kalgoorlie, Margaret River, Albany, who don't make the trip. Yeah, no, Um, I I understand. Yeah. Um, Which is a pity. Yeah, because each of those places has great venues. Yeah. Goldfields have got a wonderful uh, setup up there, and uh, so do Albany. So the, the federations have really good... Things and they, and they're grateful to see you out there. They they love having people come yeah, absolutely. and visit the town and yeah. Look, I've always, I I enjoyed my stint in the country. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to go to a break and we'll be back after these with Dale Wingle of Coburn. And lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest fencing and retirement. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au 
I'm Miranda Templeman, goalkeeper for the Junior Matildas. Join me and local women's football expert Penny Tanahoe as we share our news and journey through the football calendar with the best guests from your local community and all across Australia. You're listening to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. It's interesting that, Pete, because, you know, you, you said through the, the break, we've got a, a fencing company that has a, a song, Don't Fence Me In. I mean, it seems... It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't yeah. quite add up to me. We'll have to have words of pen about that one. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. All right, joining us this morning, we have the um, assistant coach with Coburn in Dale Wingle. Dale, good morning. How are you? I'm well, Sean. How are you guys? Good, mate. Wonderful day for football, but you're not playing any today. <laughs> no, well, I guess we've got the luxury of, uh, well, we don't have the weekend off. We're not actually playing a competitive game, uh, training tomorrow. Yeah. So we'll have a light run tomorrow, but uh, obviously we played Florida before the uh, COVID weekend where everything was shut down. So we do have the luxury of a bit of a rest yeah, and, and not bad considering what's going to happen on Tuesday. So probably a good thing for you. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, yeah, obviously looking forward to uh, Tuesday night, um, another step in the, the cup competition, hopefully. And um, yeah, it could uh, hopefully some success will uh, uh, re-energise um, our, uh, our season. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing because this time last year, I know it was a COVID-affected year and we had mm. the top six, bottom six, but you were firmly in the top six. Um, you beat Floria in the last game of the season. You, you were in the mix to win the the league. Um, you got uh, knocked out in the semi-final of the, the, the top four cup and all that. It's, what's happened? Oh, <laughs> uh, look, I, I think in terms of... In terms of uh, uh, form and the way we're playing, um, I don't think myself and Scotty would um, uh, be disappointed with with uh, w- the way we're playing. I, I guess we're just probably not, or um, well, early on, just weren't finishing our chances and, yeah. and probably uh, losing a bit of concentration in key moments in in, in the game. And um, um, I think that's that's really cost us. Whereas probably last year, those chances uh, we were putting away and, and and sometimes not playing so well and, and, and winning games. So look. Yeah, you, d- you do get that uh, from time to time, but um, outside of uh, last weekend, the, the, probably the week or two before that, we were we've obviously got a couple of wins on the board, so it's been it's been good. But even last weekend, I mean, you've not been battered. You you lost by one or two goals most of the season. Um, you're there thereabouts. You you've actually had some some very good wins during the season. You beat ECU um, early on. There's you know. It just seems to be um, the consistency, as you said, the maybe the lack of finesse in the in the final third, and maybe some decision making along the way that's not working for you. But you're not far off, are you? Percent. Apart from a scoreline against Gwella, um outside mm. of that, yeah, we've we've probably not been outplayed. Uh, we've probably been in games. We've created chances to win games, and like I said, those those key key times. To score a goal, we haven't taken advantage of, and and on the defensive side, key moments where 
we haven't defended well and, and probably lost the game. So sometimes these uh, the games are you know about fine margins, and, and we've probably been on the on the receiving end of those as opposed to like I said last year we were we were capitalising on those uh, yeah, opportunities. Yeah. And and last year you were, I suppose, very reliant on, on Cameron Edwards, who's been a mainstay for you, and his fitness was, was not quite right last year. It seems to be um, very consistent this year, so that's a good thing. You've brought in Daniel Robinson or brought Daniel Robinson back home, um, and he's he's scoring goals for fun now. So it seems like you've got a lot going in the right direction. Yeah, we, we certainly do. Obviously, Cam is, is, is a quality player. Um, we uh, You talk about injuries, and look, I guess every team goes through it. We probably had, going into the Sorrento game, we had probably five of our starting 11 from the previous two weeks uh, unavailable. Um, and so um, that that's okay. Um, the consistency probably sometimes not there, but we've got the young boys. We have faith in the young boys to come in and do the job. And you know what they did at... Almost, they almost did it on the weekend against Sorrento. But you know, we're not new to bringing through youth, and you know, young Sebastian, um, you know, Adam Amfuso, um, you know, we, we had Jules Amfuso uh, debut, and young Cookie uh, a couple of weeks before that. So um, yeah, look, there's, there's no drama with the young boys getting the opportunity. They they certainly deserve it. But um, yeah, once we've got the full uh, the full the full deck back on uh, ready to go well, I think uh, we'll, we'll be a different proposition. Yeah we talk about the young players coming through and, and certainly the standout last year for you was uh, Jesse Lazaro who was your top scorer. Um, again one of these guys you just couldn't stop. Um, what's happened to him this year? No look Jesse's, Jesse's still been consistent um, I guess uh, you don't see as much highlights of our individual players because We've had the results we've had, but mm. um, um, it's probably it's probably uh, this year fluctuated between a few different positions because of uh, injuries and, and and loss of players. But um, mate, he's been he's been um, ultra consistent, and, and what you know you're going to get from him is a is a real good shift. Uh, and um, you know uh, he, he scored, I think he scored a couple early, and and he's always a goal threat. He's probably played a bit more defensive in the last couple of weeks, but. Um, Mate, he's uh, you, you can't you can't keep him down. He'll uh, he'll he'll be back amongst the goals uh, before we know. <laughs> As they say, the, the cream always rises to the top, doesn't it? Yeah, certainly yeah. does. Um, so you're at the halfway mark of the season. Obviously, uh, the game that you played against Floriot um, is now evening up the league for you. Um, you are where you are in eleventh position. Uh, next game against Rockingham will be pivotal. I think yep. you you lost one nil to them in the, uh, the opening game of the season, so you'd be hoping to to reverse that result. Yeah, we've we've certainly got uh, two important games in the next, uh, I'd say, in the next week, uh, uh, next eight days. Um, obviously, getting a, a result on on Tuesday, and and myself and Scotty are always focused in on the league. Uh, the cup is um, a, a nice to have depending on how far you, you go, and the players determine how our cup run really, really does go. Um, we obviously put out a team to always win the games, but, um, yeah, we'll play Tuesday, and then we'll, um, we'll all prepare tomorrow for, for, for Tuesday. And then uh, a short turnaround and Thursday, we'll be preparing for um, a Rockingham outfit that will be um, up for the fight, I'm sure. Mm. 
Oh, look, um, knowing Goran, he'll have a well-prepared side and, you know, lots of uh, youth and experience in that side. You know, I think uh, Cyril Sharrock brings all the experience. But, um, yeah, look, they're, they're a good club and he's a good coach. So it makes it hard for you when, when you're in the position you are. And I think, you know, we talk about winning habits and losing habits. It's just about how you turn that around. And I think, you know, both you and Scotty are winners, have always been. And it's just about getting the, the team to believe in themselves and... and Get the results happening. Yeah, look, there's there's, there's no doubt um, about the belief. The belief is there. Um, it doesn't just come by fluke. The, the, we work them hard. The players are engaged and, and believe in, in what we're doing, and and we we, we know that we, we'd really be worried if if uh, we weren't playing good football and weren't creating chances. That would be a real headache. But um, we're doing those two things. So it's about. Um, you know those those key key times in games when to defend and and obviously taking advantage of those chances that we create to to close out games and to manage games and um, I think uh, yeah we'll look at hopefully uh, that that can happen uh, in the next uh, week and on uh, going to the rest of the season. Yep, absolutely. Now Tuesday night FFA Cup. Um, you're up against a fairly reasonable side, I imagine. <laughs> um, but the, the good thing about this this league in the NPL is that on their day, anyone can can turn anyone over, um, and it, you know it, all it takes is is a bit of luck, a bit of fortune, or someone just steps up and and says, "I'm going to make stuff happen," and takes the, the game by the neck. You know, maybe someone like Young Jesse. Um, and the, it's a wonderful distraction to have. What, what does the FFA Cup mean to, to the club? You know, you, you've had good runs in it before. It'd be really good to, to pick, it, pick it up. And I don't know about whether you'd want a home game or an away game, given the current COVID situation. So uh, the Tuesday night game is we're, we're playing Florida at Florida. Yeah. Um, yep. Obviously, um, yeah, look, it's, 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 as, as every round goes by, I think it becomes more and more interesting. Um, uh, getting into a cup final is is is, is a, a very attractive proposition. Obviously, getting into the FFA Cup is, is yep. really attractive. So, I think that, uh, like like I said before, the players will really drive. What do you want to be a part of in terms of this, this FFA Cup? And you can go as far as you want. So, um, mate, as a player, it would be great. You don't know. You, you win. You win. You win some silverware for the club. You get the opportunity to play. Some opposition that uh, might be interstate or or A League level, it's uh, it's it's really good to test yourself as a player and and to have that opportunity and to put yourself in the shop window. Yeah, a lot of these boys are looking to to become professionals or or to at least make a living out of football. And if they can um, leave and, and get into an A League setup, that'd be fantastic. Um, but you know the 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 fact of the matter is, if they want to be semi pro, they're going to have to go east. So that's all options for them. So being in the shop window is a wonderful thing. Um, so that's one part of it for the player. The, the magic of the cup, I think, FF, the FA have done a wonderful job with with getting that and promoting that yep. um, for the the smaller clubs. And then the other thing is that, as you would know from your own playing history and coaching history, that uh, when you're doing as well as Florida have been for the for the last. Um, or this season, um, the target on your back keeps on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the burden of that, um, you know, some clubs can, can really run with it and others, it, it can become too much. Yeah, look, Florida are 
obviously having having a great season. They've got they've got they've got a good squad assembled there. Uh, they've got some real you know some some real good players there, led by you know their captain Dean Evans, um, who's been a standout for 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 a long period in this league. So you know they're they're probably at the other end of the scale from from us. Um, again, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Um, no matter what cup competition there is, uh, even if it's a World Cup or a Euros, um, it's, it's on the day. It's a one-off game. Mm. Uh, anything can happen, and it's really going to be, you know, a, a Tuesday night game. Anything can happen, and you know, it's going to who's who's going to want it the most is going to is going to come out um, in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Also, um, both both Coburn and Floret have been in the the FFA Cup proper. Before Coburn, we had the one game away in against Melbourne Knights, who Glory fans would remember, and yep. and you know did did well, went down one nil. Hate the Knights, <laughs> that's right. Uh, Florida <laughs> Athena hosted Melbourne City from memory, and I think they took it right to them. I think they may have even been one nil up at half time before Melbourne City, sort of yeah, you know, obviously a league opposition, um, turned on the heat in the second half. Um, so that's obviously something else to look forward to as well, and it's also sort of just struck me then with the changes to the FFA Cup. Perth Glory themselves have to play a qualifying match to get in there against uh, Melbourne Victory. It's going to be so. It's even possible if they were to look, well, if they were to lose that, that that uh, Coburn or um, Floriot would be in the the national FFA Cup, uh, and Perth Glory itself wouldn't be. So I don't know whether that adds any incentive or not, but a chance to be a, a West Australian representative when the Glory isn't there. Yeah, look, I think there's there's uh, there's some squad members that are still in our current squad that um, were were part of that um, FFA Cup run. Yep. So, look, as 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 the I wasn't I wasn't involved at the club at that point in time, but um, I, I certainly watched it at that, the, back then. So yeah, the players know, and I'm sure if players that weren't involved know now because they've probably spoken to those players that were involved. Yep. So, um, look, as a player, whether you, whether you've You've played a long career and you're at the end, or or you're just starting off your career um, to test yourself against the best, um, whether it be in your home state or across the country. Um, obviously, is something that every player wants to do. Um, like you say, with um, streaming of games, you're putting yourself in a shop window if you want to go on and be a full-time footballer. So, that's, so, so there's that as well. So, uh, for the for the players, the opportunities are endless and. Um, if we can come together as a team and and uh, you know maybe give Florida what they haven't had this year, so <laughs> you know I think the boys are confident and um, we'll 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 put in uh, we'll put our best foot forward and and put on a show. Now coming away from Coburn and um, just tying into your history and what's been going on lately, the the glory and the the focus that they're having on youth. Um, you were part of the the Perth Kangaroos and the and the early Glory squads. Um, do you like the way that they're going and, and the promotion of, of people like Luke Bodnar in in, in their uh, system? Yeah, look, I think um, I think uh, the, the Perth uh, the Perth fans will always lend themselves uh, to to local players that have maybe come through or, 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 or Perth born. I think um, the argument's always been you can't just put them in for the sake of putting them in. They've yeah. actually got to be good enough, and and I think. Um, uh, when uh, when uh, Garcia's come in and, and given some players some opportunities, they've they've showed they're they're more than more than capable um, of of uh, doing the job and 
playing alongside, you know, the Castros and Florinarales of this world and Keos that have been, you know, good professionals for a long part of their life. Learning off mm. players like that would obviously mm. be a great uh, foundation for these boys. But, um, you know, I don't think Richie's got too carried away with it. He's given them, you know, he's given them chances to be able to build it and not just thrown them in there and, and kept them in there. So he's kept them hungry and, and, and fair play to the boys when they've come in. They've... They've, they've done a good job and obviously some of them have been rewarded with, you know, extensions and, and the like. And there's also talk about other Perth boys coming home to, to play. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's great. And I think um, that endears themselves, that endears the club to, to the fans and um, probably puts more bums on seats and probably triggers that local interest again like it was probably back in the early days when, you know, half or three quarters of the team was was locals, and yeah. the fans could resonate with that. So, um, I think that helps with 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 the culture side of the, of the club between between the players and the fans. But I've also seen some stuff where they've been re-engaging with the the former former Glory players. So they've been inviting them into games and to the corporate events that they have. Um, and I've seen some pictures. I mean, like you and your brother have always been. I think you've got your own little fountain of youth in your back garden somewhere. <laughs> but you must be sharing that with Dino Gilbert because he looks about ten years younger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I've, 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 Robbie Gasper has been doing a good job in, in bringing ex players back um, to the club, and um, that re-engagement is, is great. Uh, like you say, um, <laughs> some players look in better nick when they finish playing when, uh, as to uh, when they did. So whether that's just uh, a bit of a release, a bit of no stress, or just a, a different type of lifestyle. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, know because form, former players generally <laughs> go down the Paul Merson line, you know. So, but you know, Dino looks fiddly younger and stronger. I don't know what's happened to him, but the, it was the same with Adrian Madashi. Um, so you know, it's maybe retirement's agreeing with them. Um, PFA are bringing ex-players together. Yeah. I think uh, in our society, more than ever, um, mental health and, and, and well-being is, is, is uh, high on the agenda. So, um, you know, getting that connect, that reconnection back, while some of us still do catch up, uh, sometimes you don't see some players until you have things like this. So yeah. I mm-hmm. think it's a, it's, it's a great thing to, to bring um, the groups together um, and uh, players will always have a have a laugh and a joke and what absolutely way to do over over a couple of years maybe and and uh, watching a bit of football so and, and yeah, relive no. some of those magic moments. I mean, you know, the glory days is when you and Scotty were playing really for me and uh, still my my greatest moment for um, the glory was when Scotty scored the winner against the Knights at home and <laughs> and he did the aeroplane just brilliant. You know, it just. Brings back a whole load of really good memories, not just about that game, but about that time and, and going to those games with my kids. So, mm. you know, it's uh, I think it's a very important part of that culture and that history. And, and again, the mental health side of it is, is even more important. Yeah, you're spot on. I remember that Scotty's uh, volley by like, like it was yesterday. Yeah. Um, and, and, you, and you think to yourself, there was a. Uh, People sitting in the trees to get a view of the ground. Yeah, fifteen thousand packed into Perth Oval. Um, and everyone trying to get a vantage point where they could, and um, you know, obviously now the players get to play at a at a world class facility, a world class uh, surface, um, and uh, and a brilliant setup. Uh, probably a lot more professional, but you know, um, in, in terms of the way they 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 go to go to market, but. Mm. Um, 
yeah, some great early fond memories. Um, and uh, yeah, you can you can just see that shed going off uh, now. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I was yeah, da- really good memory. I was down the other end with my boys, and and we were surrounded by Knights fans. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty, oh, Scotty, <laughs> got Scotty on the brain now. <laughs> Dale, thank you for being on. Thank you for for your contribution to the game, not just through the A, uh, the um, A League, but also through the the local league and your, your development of players. And hopefully, um, keep your involvement with the game strong, mate. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for giving me the time and. Uh, well, well done. Do a great job. Thank well. you, mate. Cheers. See ya. See ya, mate. Thanks. Bye. Darwin, um, yeah, yeah the, the glory days. Yep. Big, <laughs> big games coming up for uh, for Coburn and yeah. for uh, also uh, the other teams in the semi final. So we got uh, so Tuesday night it's Florida Athena versus Coburn City, and then Wednesday night Sorrento versus ECU Joondalup. Uh, mm. Obviously, being semi finals means the winners go into the final, but almost more importantly the winners of those two semifinals go into the National FFA Cup as well. Absolutely. And then from there, anything can happen because yeah. the winner of the FFA Cup goes on to the Asian Champions League. So wouldn't you love to see a, a Florida or a Coburn or a you know Sorrento or ECU Joondalup playing against FC Tokyo and the like? <laughs> it, it, would, it would be one hell of a cup run. It'd be one heck of a cup run. But, you know, look, it's doable, and that's the wonderful thing about the cup. Yeah. Um, you know, you go. I go back in the FA Cup in the UK, and you had teams like the Crazy Gang Wimbledon who came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Consolidated and then went back to nowhere, but you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> all part of the magic. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. All right, so we're gonna go a break and we'll be back after that with Derek Pollock and we're going to talk about the Euros back after these. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make, and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. The World Football Program is a community program run by volunteers. Just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support. 107.9 FM, your local station. Now, even though we've got the FFA Cup going on on Tuesday, we've got some other games going on today in the first and second division. Yeah, as well. So in the um, first division today, we've got Forestfield United hosting Western Knights, Ashfield travelling to Quinns, Kingsway Olympic hosting Fremantle City. Uh, Joondalup United have the uh, game away to Stirling Macedonia, Subiaco AFC at home against Mandurah City, and UWA Netherlands hosting Swan United. A lot of games there that could have significant... Impact on both the top and the bottom of the table. It's a very, very tight league. Sterling Macedonia sort of looking looking strong at the moment, but um, yeah, but as you say, the, the the better you do, the bigger the target. Half, halfway through the season, they weren't anywhere, and now they've put a few results together, and they're where they are. Yep. If that comes undone and someone else picks up, it, who oh, knows? It's, it's six points, so it's, yeah. you know, two losses it's and, and it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and over in the uh, second division coming up today, we've got Joondalup City at home against uh, Curtin University. Gosnell's travelling to Balga. Karamar, Cam- uh, Shamrock Rovers hosting Wanneroo City. Canning City at home against Mum United. 
Uh, Kelm Scott Ruse hosting Morley Windmills and Dianella White Eagles sitting top of the table away mm. to Kingsley with West Side there. Yeah, I think it's Dianella's to lose, but we'll see how we go. Yeah. Everyone's battling for second spot in that <laughs> league. Um, talking about battling for second spot, um, we'll talk to Derek now. Derek, good morning. How are you? Yeah, good thanks, Sean Peter. How are you guys? Good. How are you holding up? I believe you're one of the uh, tragics that got up in the middle of the night and watched England versus Scotland. Yeah, for my sins, I managed to yeah get up at three a.m. to watch the Scotland game, and um, it was better than a one nil loss. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually when you look at it, it's um, a very interesting result because um, the way that group is polished or, or, or poised um, you know Scotland are still in with the chance if yep. they if they win their last game against Croatia um, England could could miss out completely if they lose against the Czechs um, it's it's very interesting yeah I don't think there's any chance of England missing out given that um, the top four third place finishes go through so that makes it it, it removes a lot of the jeopardy from a lot of the groups, to be fair. But, yeah, like you say, it's very, very finely poised. You know, any team could really go sort of, not quite top, but um, could at least go second. You know, Czech Republic versus yeah. England, the, the winner of that is, is top. And yep. then, however, Czech Republic, England, um, they could do a little bit of the old, a draw suits both of us. Uh, a draw suits both of them and, until Croatia beats Scotland, and then all of a sudden it's not so cut and dried is it mm. do you, you don't i know you're saying that there is the top four third places but you don't want to risk that yeah <laughs> it's still a gamble isn't it particularly if yeah, no, particularly if there's six or eight teams on the same point same goal difference same goal scored and all the other determinators because then it's on the toss of a coin and you just go no <laughs> yeah that's in the goal yeah hands, you've got to make sure of it yeah so, so scotland still have their um, well, Scotland and Croatia both still have their fate in their own hands. You know, if they win the final game, the chance of them going, not going through are phenomenally slim. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, the the Czech Republic sitting top at the moment on goal scored. Um, you've got England in second space and, and then Croatia third. Yep. But um, that England-Croatia game, uh, England-Czechoslovakia game is going to be pivotal. Um, and uh, I think that's going to be uh, both sides desperately want to win that rather than a, a, a cagey draw. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think, yeah, both sides will... Well, it depends, really, because there's no real good way of of finishing one or two in that group. If you finish number one, you play whoever comes second out of Germany, Portugal, England, and if you finish, um, if you finish top, and if you finish second, you play Italy. So, you know, third might be a good good result for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, you, you look at the groups. I mean, Group Group A, Italy, Wales, Switzerland, Turkey. Um, Wales did a wonderful job the other night beating Turkey. Yeah. Yeah, and good on Aaron Ramsey for recovering from sort of two or three really bad misses to then score uh, what was the, the, the most decisive of the goals. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, Wales have definitely surprised, surprised me. I thought Turkey were going to be maybe reasonably comfortable second spot in that group with um the squad that they've got. But Wales have yeah, Wales have yeah definitely come out and shown the best versions of themselves. And and the Italians are, are just, you know, rolling on very well. They they I can't remember how many games they've won now in a row, but they're they're on fire. Um, I don't know how they're gonna go up against some of the the stronger, um more I don't know, dominant or physically dominating sides like England or um Germany or um, Portugal, you know, it'd be interesting to see how they go against 
quality opposition. Don't forget, obviously, they missed out on the World Cup. So whether yeah. that's lit a bit of an extra fire underneath them yeah. to you know do well now that they're at a major tournament. Yeah, I mean, England, Italy, rather, the, the big knock on them recently, it's always been, yes, they've won all those games in a row, but they haven't versed anyone of any meaningful quality. So yeah. even still in their group, um, yes, they've beaten Turkey and Switzerland, who are good teams, but they're not that sort of... They're, they're still second-tier teams, so they haven't yet yeah. versed any real, um, like you say, the Frances, the well, Germans. If you look at the current one and twos through the other groups... Belgium, Russia, Holland, Ukraine, Czech Republic, England, Sweden, Slovakia, Portugal and France. I mean, any one of those is capable on their day. Yeah, exactly. Um, Belgium, I think, will will struggle um, because so far what they've shown is that they've got a very, very leaky defence that has somehow, or well, not somehow, but their, their extraordinary attack has managed to make up for they're pretty, yeah, pretty leaky defence, somewhat porous. And what you'll find usually in major tournaments is the teams that win are the teams that manage to keep it, keep it tight at the back, mm. keep it steady through the middle, and then manage to, like France, for example, at the last World Cup, you know, they weren't an exciting team, so they just did what they needed to do, and they kept it tight and, and, and um, didn't leak too many goals. Whereas I think Belgium will get come undone a little bit when you've got, you know, players like Mbappe running it, a defensive duo that's got a combined age of about 72. And, and, the, and the turning circle of a Mack truck, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think Belgium's... Um, I mean, they're back to... I mean, Vertonghen and Alderweireld, they're definitely in their 30s, um, and I think that's going to be the undoing of, of Belgium. Yeah. And I suppose you look at it, the, the, the midfields and that are always very important. Um, we talk about the English midfield with um, Phillips, Rice, Mason Mount. There's, there's a very young midfield there, but very experienced midfield. Um, but it's good to see for England and bears well for England in the future. Yeah, look, England, um, definitely. This, this, this tournament, they've gone from the, the old struggle of how, you know, how do we manage to create a creative midfielder because we just don't have any and then they've gone to which creative midfielders we leave on the bench or leave yeah. out of the squad because we have too many. <laughs> so, well, yeah, we've got yeah, it's a good problem to have if you're Southgate. The, the English Messi and Phil Foden. So, um, you know, it's great. We, we've got some really good young players and, you know, guys like Grealish are, are now in the second string and you'd think a, a couple of years back they would have been first string. Yeah, when Grealish came on last night off the bench, I thought I just... just you can see it happening. We're, we're going to concede the, the winner to someone with hair as rubbish as that, and it was just going to be even more painful. <laughs> well, you talk about you know, with, with conceding. Um, I mean, that that was fully sh- fully shick that goal that was scored the other night, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that, yeah, that goal. I mean, everyone likes to blame the keeper yeah. for that goal, but I mean, the way he's curved that ball. And, I mean, just what was Jack Hendry doing having a shot in the first place um, well, he, you know, for, for that, for that ball to done, come out? He's you know, done nothing. No, you need to know his place. He's done nothing for, for Scottish goalkeeping and their reputation, as in. <laughs> you know, you, you say, what, he, what was he doing out there? I played centre-half most of the time I played, and I was never that far out. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I mean, I, I, get, I get the criticism, but at the end of the day, you've got to think how many goals, perhaps, has David Marshall stopped or how, how many goals have, have they not you know, had the chance of scoring because he's been at a because Scotland are playing quite a high line unusually mm, yeah. and he's able to sweep up any sort of slightly overhit through balls. Mm. So I think you know it's a risk reward and you don't always 
yeah, rely on 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 Patrick Schick being as f- f- phenomenally clinical as he was on that on that day. No, but it's the second one of those I've seen this year. The other one being Andy Keogh, who I wouldn't yeah. put as clinical either. But you know, <laughs> both, both stunning goals. Yeah. <laughs> so um, looking through the groups, you've got the the big group tonight will be uh, Group F, which is really the group of death: um, Portugal, France, Germany, and Hungary. Um, you'd think Portugal and France would be the the top two in that. The Germans, um, that's really looking at them. If they get beat by Portugal, the best they can hope for is three points. I don't know if that's going to get them through. Yeah, I don't know if... I think we need to retire terms like group of death when... The, the, the top half of third place finishes go through you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, there's no such thing as a group of death anymore when even if you don't finish the top two you still have a, a decent chance of getting through if you just put a few past Hungary yeah. Um, but yeah look, that, but that's definitely the hardest group to get in the top two out of um, France I mean yeah I mean 1-0 over Germany the other week and it was an own goal but even then it was 1-0 going on 4 or 5 mm. Um, mm. I still think Mbappe should have had a penalty there and they've had you know many opportunities that were um yeah, very, very close. So, yeah, France just look to get a World Cup winning side and then add Karim Benzema to that. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they're just really solid in every single area of the pitch. You know, you've got players in France's under 21 Euro team that weren't, that obviously are in the under 21 team, so they weren't making the first team that would walk into just about every single other national team on the planet mm. um, and just can't make this team. So, yeah, I mean, you can't really look past France, I don't think, for the, um, the top spot there. Yeah, they've got immense depth. Yeah, exactly, and that, that's. I think that's one of um. You're talking about Italy before. I think that's one of their um, benefits as well. Is that every area in the pitch Italy have, you've just got a lot of just phenomenally talented players to come off the bench, um, and so you know some some squads have a really good first eleven, like Belgium have a really good first eleven, mm. and not too much after that. Whereas Italy, France, and and Portugal even have mm. you know again their third fourth choices would, would be in most teams starting 11s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So midnight tonight, the Portugal play Germany. That's going to be pivotal. And I think if Portugal and and you've got um, Cristiano doing Cristiano things <laughs> at the moment, um, if they don't win this, it, they, they could be at a point where they're not going to have enough points to to get them through as the best third. Yeah, no, exactly. You you, you don't want to go into the last game having to get three points against um, Hungary because I know Portugal won. 3-0 in that first game but I mean it was not a 3-0 game Hungary were phenomenally unlucky yeah. not to score themselves and, and even a couple of um, Portugal's goals were you know were quite fortuitous um, and so that yeah you wouldn't want to be Germany losing tonight uh, I think they yeah I think they probably will though Portugal Portugal interesting because they've got a lot of older players but also a lot of younger players coming through but I think a lot of it relies on how pivotal Ronaldo is and if Ronaldo's in a bit of a stroppy mood or he's not quite getting it done, you know, can the, the sort of, not the over-reliance, but the perception that everything has to go through Ronaldo, would that be perhaps yeah. Portugal's undoing? Yeah. Actually, I saw a great video of a free kick, free kick that he took and it ended up in row Z. So, you know, um, quite unlike him, but it does show that he is human. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's... no, exactly. And, and to be fair, he's not, you know, he's not the spring chicken that he once was. Yeah. You know, he, he, he definitely, I mean... Uh, they're looking at Juventus this season and uh, of all the strikers in the top five leagues that have played X number of minutes, Ronaldo does the least pressing of anyone mm. who is a forward. So, you know, he, he does do, doesn't do much off the ball. 
Um, maybe he'll step it up for Portugal because he knows it's not 38 games. It's sort of, it's, you know, three or four. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just sometimes Ronaldo needing to be the centre of everything can at times uh, be destructive for chemistry. It, it's funny with Germany, um, back at the 2014 World Cup, they were, you know, obviously top of the world, never mind winning the thing, beating Brazil 7-1 in Brazil was the highlight of that. Yeah. And then sort of the Confederations Cup came around in 2017. They sent basically a youth team and they won that. And certainly I was sitting there pretty smug going, oh, yeah, we've, we've got the World Cup next year as well. And then they didn't get out the group, um, you know, lost to South Korea of all teams. Um, and now... Obviously, with the Euros here, they've gone down to France and they're sort of... It's it's funny how reasonably quickly a team can go from absolutely top of the world to, you know, struggling to get out the group. And, yeah. And, um, I, yeah, I, I hope they I think, turn I mean, it I think Germany was suffered from a, a, a fairly consistent trend of World Cup winners absolutely bottling at the next World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but also, what I think is interesting as well for Germany is they um, have had this... I don't know if you've read um, Das Reboot by Raphael Honigstein, but um, a really good book about when Germany sort of bottomed out several or many years ago and went, right, okay, let's let's change the way things are done. Mm. Uh, and they did. Um, and they've since then, they've produced this just phenomenal amount of really good midfielders. But it seems that these have been unable to produce a decent number nine in all of that time. Yeah. And against France, that seemed to be one of the issues as well. You know, gone in the days of Miroslav Klosser. Um, and you've got the... What Havertz playing as as a false nine, and just because you're trying to sort of shoehorn, you know, a striker into the team somehow, mm. um, and it's not really working. That seemed to be the key point they were missing. But you know, even in the World Cup, the last World Cup, you know, the, I mean, it was, we're talking centimeters were differences um, in in three of the games. Yeah. And, you know, a ball goes three centimeters this way instead of that way, and then suddenly Germany are topping the group <laughs> rather than yeah, not even yeah. making it out of the group. But even teams with a, a recognised centre forward aren't that, that are not firing. I mean, Harry Kane, captain of England, um, in the domestic league, uh, fantastic goal scorer, and he's still goalless in this tournament. Is is he going to break through and and suddenly get himself a hat trick, or is he someone that you probably go, you know what, I'm going to put him on the bench? Yeah, he's, he's an interesting one, isn't he, Harry Kane? Mm. Cause he used to be. He got to the point where um, it was, you know, he's the only player in the whole team that has to be in the team. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what, what, what Southgate has had going for him in the last World Cup and then this Euros is that gone on the days where you have to have Lampard, you have to have Gerard, you have to have X, Y, and Z player in the team. Now he can go, right, this is the team we need for this very specific game mm. and it's these players. But Harry Kane has kind of still been that he needs to be in the team. But, I mean, he's been totally anonymous. I mean, at one point last night, um, I went, oh, that's right, Harry, Harry Kane's on the field. <laughs> yeah. And you, you, you just forget that he's there. And maybe that's because um, his, the history of injuries and um, having to play at Tottenham every single week, regardless of whether or not he's fit, yeah. um, and, and that's part of partly his follow-up demanding to be in the team, um, maybe that's catching up with him, or maybe they're just playing in a way that um, isn't getting the best out of him. But England definitely looked very blunt in attack in both games, really. Yeah. Well, in the first, in the first game, it was only Pound Sterling that got the goal. So, um, you know, he's not a, um, a, a voracious goal scorer, but he was in the right spot and he did very well to finish. But um, other than that, they, they don't really seem to be troubling at the, in the final third from the people you expect to be doing it, like Harry Kane. Yeah, I mean, if I was Belgian, French, Italian or 
Portuguese, I'd be looking at that game last night and going, right, okay, we don't have to worry about English. Because, you know... I'd win, you, you, it, yeah, they just didn't seem... They seemed to lack, lack ideas, really. Mm. Yeah, definitely they did. And... Um, that, I think that's going to cause them problems. I mean, in, in the next game for England, um, some interesting matchups. You've got um, Kufal and Coutois from West Ham up against Lingard and Rice. Um, so that's going to be a, an interesting thing. They should know each other's games very well. Um, but I think the, the Czechs seem like a team that are on a mission and they don't really have any superstars, but they just seem to have a lot of people willing to work and, and do what's required to, to get the, the team a win. Yeah, I mean, the Czech Republic have come out at this tournament and definitely been greater than some of their parts. That's for sure. Um, and, and it's just a case of, of how far that will take them. Um, you know, I, I didn't watch the uh, Croatia game this morning because I was, I was trying to get some sleep before the start of the game <laughs> yeah. at 3 o'clock. Uh, but, I mean, but one yeah, one all over, over a Croatia team that looked fairly stale against England. Um, so, I, yeah, you, you, that's fine for the group, but we'll see how far that goes. Um, past the group stages, which they will make it to, um, past the group stages now with their results so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be Patrick Schick got um, an elbow to the face. I don't know if that's going to keep him out of this next game or not. Yeah. Um, but we'll we'll see how that goes because without Schick, again, you know, there's a bit of a clinical finishing there that that, that they they can do without losing. Uh, but you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. So they they definitely have a bit of a workhorse attitude, Czech Republic, and that's the only way um, countries of their. Um, their level of talent will, will, will make it through. You know, Scotland are the same where, you know, Scotland have to work or outwork the opposition in order to get past because they're not going to have, you know, a Neymar or a Messi on, on the field to... No, but well, I, mean, we, we I suppose for, I mean, for the Scots, it's absolutely do or die. You can leave nothing in the tank. Um, and even if that means you go into the next round depleted, um, fatigued or whatever, um, you're there. Um, whereas some of the other teams like England and Czechoslovakia expect to be in the next round and be trying to save something for the for the next round. Um, this, for the Scots, it's absolutely do or die. Yeah, and, but I mean, in England, the players on the field don't have to save anything for the next round because you've got, you know, if, if Foden is just too exhausted, then you can just bring Grealish, Grealish off the bench. You know, if mm. Harry Kane's unfit, you could just bring Rashford off the bench. Whereas Scotland, you know, even the strikers we had on the field just weren't getting the job done. I mean, if Lyndon Dykes could finish even you know half his chances then um both games would have been a different result entirely yeah uh, so, so again, you're waiting for a phone call like Derek what are you doing we're a bit <laughs> short mate <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I said to I said to my Polish friend I said oh let's hope that Shay Adams forgets who he is and thinks he's Lewandowski for 90 minutes and then I said to the next day oh look yeah. lucky that he was and thought he was me <laughs> um to touch on another point that you had you've got um you said Cristiano Ronaldo, he seems to be stepping up for his nation. There's a few others doing that. Yarmolenko was was struggling to get a run at West Ham, and all of a sudden he's scoring some great goals um, for the Ukraine. So, you know, it seems to be that playing for your country is, is something that some players really respond to and others don't. Yeah, no, there's definitely... Um yeah, it's, national, it's just the nature of the beast with national football, isn't it? Mm. Where, you know, it evokes different emotions from different people. Um, some people... Can take it or leave it. Uh, Jamie Vardy went, you know, I'm happy to extend my stay at my club by not playing for England. I yeah. play for England a little bit, that's enough. Whereas, you know, Gamolenko, yeah, yeah, I said to my uh, colleague who's a West Ham supporter, I said, oh, you know, couldn't do that in East London, could he? Uh, no, he couldn't. But yeah, you know, yeah. just the, abil- the ability to step up. But again, for a, a country like Ukraine, where nationalism at times can be definitely a lot stronger and you've got existential threats that are a lot more real than, than, than in other countries, yeah. then, you know, 
playing in a you know, playing in a tournament that Russia is in with uh, the map of Crimea on your shirt might, yeah, might get those extra few drops of, of, of desire out of you to win. And with, with the, you know, all the history since Bannockburn, really, um, the Scots always lift when they play England. Um, it doesn't matter where the game is, but playing it at Wembley even more so, um, you know, it's great for them to go into enemy territory and, and represent for their country. It means a lot to the Scots to, to go out there and take on the English and I think you know, they all grow an extra foot oh if you can't if you can't get the desire to play for Scotland yeah. when you're playing a game against England then you need to Actually, I was watching a, I was watching a thing last night with Roy Keane who was saying, you know, you can't expect the coach to get your players up for the game. They should be up for it. They're professionals and that, you know, he's right. And it's the same when you're playing for your country. If you, you're not reliant on your coach or anybody else to, to motivate you, if you're not motivated to play for your country, give someone who is a shirt and yeah. sit in the background. Yeah, Roy Keane had like motivation, didn't he? You know, he's 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 that one for people who 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 go in half hearted, um, especially being an Irishman against England. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, look, that's really. I mean, like that comes back to the nature of coaching as well. You know, motivate. Yes, okay, you've got to be mo- motivating as a coach, but there's only a certain level you can really expect. You know, players have to be. If you want to be a professional footballer, then you have to have a certain level of internal motivation, regardless of. Mm-hmm who you're playing, where you're playing, who the coach is. You know, that's just the expectation. You know, you don't get to be a professional footballer without that because you just don't have the drive to, to be good enough. Yeah. So from what you've seen so far, who do you think are the teams to, to beat in this tournament? Uh, France and Italy. It's hard to, mm. you know, what, what the tournament I think has, has shown is that the level of resources that Western European nations have put into youth development um, has really put them on a level above and beyond what's been happening in, in, in other parts of the continent. Uh, and, you know, you look throughout the group, there's really very few Western Euro- European nations that aren't in the top two positions. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that is the sort of thing that we, we imagine will, will continue. But France, you just can't really... I mean, just that, that image where Mbappe gave Kummels a four-metre head start, put the ball past him and still beat him to the ball. <laughs> just, yeah. You know, when you've got that and you've got the, the, the world-class players in every single position that France do, hard to look past them. And I think with Immobile uh, playing quite well, Italy are also yeah extraordinarily dangerous for this tournament. You know, I wouldn't want to come up against Italy at any point because again, they've just got you know Verratti hasn't even played yet. You know, so you've still got Verratti to come back. You know, if Locatelli gets injured, Pellegrini can come on. You've got Bastone coming in. You know, just players yeah. on the bench that would walk into most starting 11 in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if you had to put some money on a darkie other other than Scotland, who would you who would your dark horse be? I'm not super nice for money on Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, if they can fix out some of the defensive issues, then um, as a bit of a dark horse, I think Netherlands might have um, enough flair players who can just sort of light up a game to to come on out. You know, Depay showing that he you know he can be on and off in games. Um, if if he lights up a game, then yeah, um, I think Netherlands could definitely uh, surprise a few people. Mm. Yeah, so you think it's a bit optimistic with the football's coming home campaign that some people are pushing? <laughs> oh, I think football's coming home is, is always optimistic at best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, and, but again, it's, it's 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 enjoyable just seeing the 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 naivety get to such a ballooning point, and then and then and then it's yeah, die for when it pops. <laughs> but, but, yeah. Well, that's all yeah. I've got to look forward to in international football. So, well, I suppose it's, it's better a realistic hope than absolutely no hope. So, you know. well, well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and um, 
player player of the tournament, from what you've seen so far, who's shaping up in in those areas? The who are the real game changers and the people that are making a difference? Uh, I mean, Locatelli in you know, for Italy has been um, been quite good um, so far, um, and ooh, I haven't really thought about this one. Pogba um, against pretty French over Germany. Uh, he was he was outstanding, um, but then again, he can only be outstanding because he's got Kante behind him, mm. who just you know speaks volumes at his ability. He made Danny Drinkwater look like a world class player, and, so, and he wasn't you know, wearing a red shirt, so that probably helped. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and yeah, so so Ingolo Kante, I reckon, will, will, will just about be up there, yeah, um, and maybe even Mbappe if he if he lights up um, again yeah. in the next few games. Brilliant. Look, it's looking like it's been a good tournament. Um, lots of people I know are coming in bleary-eyed to work because they've been up and watched one game or another. But there's so many quality games around. You know, um, you look at tonight, I think we've got um, Portugal versus Germany, which is at midnight. Um, and I think... France, France hungry at that 9 o'clock, which would be a good one. Yep, absolutely. And also we've got um, Spain against Poland. So, you know... Uh, we haven't talked about the, the Spanish, but they're they're not doing so well, third in their group. So, well, I mean, they had the worst possible preseason to the tournament they could they could have. Yeah. With Busquets getting COVID and then everyone else having to isolate and train individually. Yeah. So I think that really showed against Sweden. Mm. Um, again, will, will we see a new Spain against Poland now that um, they've made out to get together and train again? And, and what do you think of the format? I think they're using 70 different grounds at the moment. Um, it, it's I think it's not bad. I think I like that. Yeah, I mean, it just depends on what you're after, really. Um, I, I think it's quite good having uh, the home support across a lot of different games yeah. rather than just the home support for one country. Um, I also think that people talk about it, it being bad because it's bad for the environment having players fly all over the continent. But I think having it all over the continent means there's fewer fans travelling yeah. Uh, because there's a lot more fans that can stay home, yeah. and that's really where a lot of the sort of environmental damage this one comes from. So mm. I think that's actually probably more of a benefit for it. Yeah, I'd like to have seen Poland play out at Wembley, though. It'd be nice for them to go back and see what they built. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I like yeah Poland being yeah Poland playing in Poland. If, if, if yeah. That's right. yeah, no, look, <laughs> I, nice. I, I with with this year of COVID, as you said, the playing in those that many venues has really taken the game to the people. And it has really made for the the home support, um, and I think that that's a wonderful thing. And uh, you know, I don't know who came up with that idea, but they should be commended for it because it is brilliant. Yeah, and it's interesting um, seeing games playing played in Hungary, given um, Viktor Orban has has poured about two billion pounds worth of, of money into football in Hungary over the last sort of five or six <laughs> years. Um, in, in, in increasing youth academies, yep. building the stadium that they're playing in. So yeah, it's interesting seeing, yeah, seeing how that progresses, and then having um, some interesting geopolitical conversations like why is Azerbaijan basically a, a home game for Turkey and, and, yeah. and things like that. Oh, absolutely. But I think you know, with the money that Hungary have poured in, um, they're definitely trying to create the, ne- the next Puskas. So you know, good luck to them if they do, because um, they've had a wonderful history of bringing some very, very talented players into the game. Yeah, and maybe Dominic Sobosly when he comes back from injury will be will be that player. Yeah, absolutely, Derek. Thank you for uh, staying up at half night and watching football <laughs> and <laughs> for your insight into it. Um, I think it's going to be a very very interesting tournament. Um, I think an Italy France finals really got a ring to it, but yeah, um, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing any one of the others in there. Really, it's been a really good comp so far. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of it. Yeah, no, fantastic. I, I think Italy France is my 
my dream final. So we'll see how we go. Yeah, absolutely. No worries. Um, thank you very much for being on. We'll catch up with you again in some way or another. And, uh, yeah, just enjoy the rest of the tournament. Cheers, Sean. You guys too. Thanks. Cheers. Um, and Derek Pollock with his view on the Euros. Very interesting uh, tournament. So we'll be um, keeping our eyes peeled and we'll hold him to account. It, it, that's true. That's true. I was, I was actually just thinking it goes to show how much football there is on at the moment that we're three quarters of the way through the program. We haven't even mentioned that Australia played a World Cup qualifier this week. Mm. Um, so Australia also wrapped up the uh, their qualifying group uh, with a 1-0 win over Jordan. Yep. So... The teams for the final round of Asian qualifying have been decided, and it really is a case of the usual culprits. You know, Australia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, China, Syria, uh, Japan, South Korea. A couple of interesting new teams in there. Uh, We've got Vietnam and Lebanon both going to be in the final round. And Mm. obviously, um, I want to see Australia go through, but I think a Vietnam at the World Cup would be fantastic. Um, Vietnam's a huge country uh, population wise yep uh, and you know soccer fanatics and I think I think uh, getting to see their nation at the World Cup I'm always a fan when I see a new country turn up at a World Cup like Panama at the last one yep um, but I think Vietnam at the World Cup would be magic so I think I they're going to be, be my yeah. second choice team uh, after Australia in Asian qualifying that'd be great and if they get to play America with a North Korean coach it'd be well, even better <laughs> we did have uh, USA versus Iran yes uh, at uh, France 98, if I remember yep. correctly. I, I do remember that they had, had interviews afterwards and the the Iranian coach and the Iranian players were like, uh, which Iran won that game, um, you know, they played well, we played marginally better and came away with the result, but the, the, the mullahs in Iran were more of the, you know, the great Satan has been dealt a humiliating <laughs> defeat in front of the world by the heroic Iranian warriors. And I, I got the feeling even the Iranian players were rolling their eyes in the background a bit at that. Oh, but, absolutely. You know. But in other breaking news, uh, North Korea have announced that they won the Euro 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, look, it's, it's, it's great. There's football everywhere you look. There's yep. a lot of international football going on, the friendlies. We're going to talk to Greg Farrell shortly. We'll talk to him about the... Um, Matilda's um, Olympic warm-up and, you know, there's there's just so much going on and so much to look forward to and the next big tournament is the Olympics. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so... So both the men and the women there. We'll go to a break and we'll be back with Greg Farrell after these. Hi, I'm Penny Tanner-Hoth. It's season 34 for the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. We are the longest-running football show in Australia morphed from a sports program way back in 1987. The hosts and voices may have changed, but the content filled with passion, news, characters and history has not. The World Football Team are all volunteers and we appreciate you listening in. 2021 brings a new look with a new logo, website and podcast. Thanks for sharing the journey with us on Radio Fremantle. If you like us, become a member of the station. Find the membership form on our new website. The World Football Program. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. 
games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Okay, we're back in the room now. We've covered national, international football. We haven't got to the really important stuff, which is the WNPL. WNPL uh, kicked off uh, this uh, round 11, kicked off last night, and Fremantle City had a 7-0 win over Curtin University, and Mum FC had a 5-0 win over Balcatta. Uh, matches still to play. We've got Hyundai NTC against Perth SC. Uh, that's marked as postponed, so I'm not sure what the story is there. Uh, and also, well, on Sunday is Northern Redbacks against Subiaco a- uh, AFC. So Mum FC and Northern Redbacks looking good at the top of the table, both on 22 points. And a man who may have a perspective on that joins us yep. right now in Greg Farrell. Good morning, Greg. How are you? I'm good, gents. How are you guys? Good. Um, the Perth SC versus... Hyundai. It's just says postponed. The NTC so, game is postponed. Any perspective on why that's happening? Yeah, I've been told that it's because the the field at Ashfield, where the NTC have absolutely yes, it is. This it's, season is is not uh, playable. No, it didn't hold up well over the last couple of weeks <laughs> with the rain, and it looks like the som at the moment. Um, no, no, it's one of those pitches that it will dry up really quick, but the the surface got cut up. In the last two yeah, weeks, yeah, I think, I think yeah. they're just, I think they're trying to protect it for for a week yeah. or so. And and um, then like every other club across the state, you've got whatever team you have, whether it's the the under eights gold or or the state league or MPL side, they all think that they're the ones that got to play on it, um, yeah. and train on it as well. So yeah, it's it's well, had a bit yeah. of work. And, and that's exactly it. You've got to. It, it's something that I, I'm surprised to to be honest. Coming from from Queensland, a lot of football happens in Perth. Despite the weather, whereas like there there are weekends that in Queensland would have been called off, all football would have been called off in a heartbeat. Yeah. Where most of it still happens in Perth, and then they they protect the fields probably a little bit better than we do over here. I think we have better fields over here. The fields are yeah. better looked after in, in Perth. Um, but yeah, I think there's a few grounds like Ashfield and a couple of others that have probably just got to the point where it, it, it had to be made because there wasn't actually going to be much football be able to be played on that field. Yeah, I think with the, the clay that sits underneath the ground, it gets a bit soft and boggy, and there's a couple of patches that really do get bad. And I remember watching, because I was away last weekend um, on the, the live stream, and there there was actually some water just sitting there in a, in a pool in the middle of the pitch. And, and yeah. generally speaking, um, in the, even in the UK where we did play in a lot of rain, if there was water sitting on the pitch, the referee would call it off because that's dangerous, that stuff, because the, the ball just tends to stop dead in it. Mm. Yeah, it's not, not conducive to football being played. So. Yeah, no, 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 Ashfield are trying to preserve that pitch um, uh, despite all the other things because I think sometimes we've got kids that jump the fence and play in the goals and other things. But, yeah, it's not easy. But... I no, knew I knew not. you'd know the answer. <laughs> um, Redbacks sitting pretty at the top at the moment, halfway through the season. Um, Mum pushing hard. Um, do you see anybody else troubling you? Well, uh, the, the the first team girls are, are playing really well. I'm coaching the the 23s this season, yeah. and um, there has been quite a few injuries within the club, um, but a, a lot of the young players. 
sort of stepped up to the first team have have slotted in next to the likes of Kim Carroll and Sean Billum and Renee Liotta and, and done really well. Larry Walsh is probably having the best season that I've ever seen her have. Yeah. Um, and some of the young players are stepping up and, and doing the job. So you look at the players that Melville have got. Um, I was a little bit surprised at the result last night with Balcata, but I was talking to one of the Balcata players this morning and uh, she said that there was just a couple of individual mistakes which let them down. And mm. I think the the competition has certainly um, levelled out uh, across the board. Like Subiaco are now, even though they're at the bottom of the table, they've been more competitive again this season. Mm. Curtin have probably been more competitive despite having uh, some off-field issues. I think they've had changes in coaching staff and that sort of stuff. Um and the the twenty threes competition as well has has certainly improved. Yeah. So you look at at Balcata, Perth, um, the the middle of the table is certainly much better than it has been, especially going back two or three years to the old Premier League days. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's an improvement across the board. Whether or not people are ready to catch Melville and Redbacks, uh, I don't know. Um, there's certainly been. One of the impressive things that I've really liked this season has been seeing teams reacting and changing to different situations a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, there are situations in games where I think coaches in the past have just dallied or have left things because they haven't wanted to make changes and then yeah. possibly cop blame for having made a change that didn't work. Mm. Um, and I've I've been impressed with seeing more of that proactive approach where, where clubs are making changes and are trying different things to see what will work. And I suppose, look, the, the under-23 coach is a really difficult um, job to, to have because, you know, if you've got some good players, you end up losing them. Mm-hmm. And then if you've got um, ones coming in from the from the, the younger age groups to step up, there's a, there's a fair bit of work you've got to do to get them ready. But do you think that the, the under-23s or the reserve side is um, about winning or is it about developing players that can, when you have injuries, step up into the, the playing system of the first team and, and not look out of place? No, it's definitely not about winning. If you're if you're coaching in the under-23s and your first aim is to win, then you're doing the wrong job. Mm. Um, like, you, yes, you want to be successful and win games, but you should be winning as a byproduct of teaching players and, and having them develop and improve rather than because you've chosen a tactic or a situation that is just going to help you win. Absolutely. Um, uh, we, yeah. we, we've been playing we've been playing young players who have always played as wingers, as fullbacks this season, players who have always played as number 10s, as number 6s, players who have always played as centre-backs, as, as fullbacks or midfielders because they need to understand different jobs and different roles and three of the girls who have played first team this season have played in the first team in positions that they had never played yeah. until we were asking them to do it in the 23s, which then meant when they've gone up to the first team, oh, look, she can do this job really well yeah. because she's been practising it even though she's never done it before. Excellent. Let's give her an opportunity in the first team. Yeah, that's it's much the same. That's what 23 football should be. It's much the same in my club, although it's, it's reserve team football rather than 23s. But we, we, as a club, got our reserve team as under 23s. And uh, we stepped up probably five or six to the first team because of 
people leaving, injuries, suspension, and all of them have stepped up and not looked out of place. And some of them are, are 16, 17 years of age, which I think, you know, for a reserve team coach to have four or five players go up into the first team and not look out of place is a phenomenal achievement. And, you know, if he doesn't win the league, who, who cares? Mm. You know, that's, his job is to develop players. No, well, and that's, like, you've got... Uh, it's a little bit different in, in women's football because the the twenty threes is a younger thing, and that's something that I'm also on the women's standing committee for Football West, and we're talking about the the age group for what is currently the twenty threes, possibly dropping down in future to maybe be a twenty ones or a twenties, in line with what the men's MPL has had, um, just to try and spread the talent across the league even more, mm. but but also to better reflect the fact that. The competition is called 23s, but 90% of the players in the competition are under 20, yeah. so or, or or even even under 18. Yeah. So it's not it's not a a 23s competition. It's an under 20s competition with three or four overage players yeah. at each club. Yeah. Um, and if you if Football West reflect that with the the competition regulations, then it's just showing the players and everybody else what the real situation is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but also I think you say Football West, but as a standing committee, if that's the direction that you wish to go as the the, the competition participants, then the, the, the management should go, you know what, that's what they want, let's, let's give it. Because really, um, Football West don't own the game, you own the game. Well, I think there was... There was a lot of people who were opposed to the under-23s mm. becoming from when it was a reserves competition because the complaints were that, oh, we're not going to be able to get enough players. Under-23s isn't viable. Uh, all of the, the same situation, the same argument. Yeah. And, of course, as soon as it's mandated, everybody makes it work. Everybody makes it happen. Yeah. So, mm. And it's, it's the same with juniors. With the, the female clubs in the MPL... Not necessarily uh, a junior MPL because I don't think that's really worked that well in the boys. No, it hasn't. But there should just be every team that's in the M- every club that's in the MPL, the WMPL, should have to have a 14 and a 16 girls. Yeah. So that they're promoting and developing players from within. And once that's mandated by Football West, all the clubs will do it. Mm. They're just not doing it until they have to because they don't have to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, um, so that's your, the, the WMPL. Um, Futsal WA, how's, how's that all panning out since your, your change in name and profile and everything else? Is the, the, the same old business or are we, we expanding and growing? No, so there's, there's a lot of things happening. We've got a, all of the social competitions have, have switched over to the winter and some of them are four or five weeks deep. Um, some of them are, are in their second or third week. Uh, we've got a, a one-day tournament next Saturday at Mount Lawley Football Club. If anyone has a social football team that they want to enter, um, there's a little bit of prize money and some medals. And there'll be a barbecue, and the the bowls club has got the bar open all day, so a uh, little bit of fun and some hopefully good Perth weather. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we've we've also got some Australian teams coming over from the eastern states arriving next week. Marvelous. They're going to be doing a a, tra- a training camp over here and they'll they'll play in that that one day tournament um and be doing a couple of training sessions most days and doing some sightseeing and then playing some of the 
the senior, the Super League teams for sort of exhibition games. They were meant to be going overseas, but obviously yeah. with with COVID restrictions, the, those trips are not possible and the families wanted something still to happen. So uh, Australian football got in touch with me and sort of said, is there something that we can arrange? So where are they um, coming from, these teams from over east? Well, so there's, there's players coming oh, okay. from mm. yeah. everywhere. So there's players from oh. North Queensland, from Brisbane, um, all up and down the New South Wales border. Yeah. Uh, sorry, not border, coast. Um, yeah. And then the players who were supposed to be coming from Melbourne aren't able to come, but yeah. players from country Victoria, I believe, are still able to come. Because I, I saw something with another code uh, in the last two days where a, a team from Victoria, which was mostly country Victorian um, 16s, wasn't able to come and compete in the, their national championships that were being held here. Mm. So it was interesting because I, I thought country New South, uh, country Victoria was okay. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure Country Victoria is. Yeah. So the kids from Bendigo and Ballarat and that sort of those sort of places, I think they're good to come. Yeah. But the ones who are from Melbourne have been stopped mm. from coming. And I think there's maybe one or two from from Adelaide as well. Yeah, there, there was a couple of East Coast whinges about it, <laughs> but I think it's 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 right and proper. And we, th- this country's done a very good job of, of maintaining the the, the infection rates and and managing the the borders. So I think. Uh, it's a bit of pain, but it's less painful than it was last year, and next year will be even less painful, and hopefully international travel will open up and we'll be able to get back to normal. Well, yeah, and yeah. you only have to look at the, the death rates from people overseas. Uh, you compare the number of people that we have lost here, yeah, and mm. we are so very, very lucky. Yeah, absolutely. I think, the well... All of the people we've lost in the entire time that we've had COVID in this country still doesn't match the best day in England um, and, and yeah. the, lo- the lowest amount of deaths in a day in England. So we're, we're doing pretty well. And I think, you know, we, we've got to remember that. I think also um, you know, the complacency. I see people walking in and out of shopping centres and other places without doing the, the, um, the code. Yep. I mean, I'm Checking not. In, yeah. And now this other thing with the police and, and using the, the tracking app to solve murders. I'm not really thinking of murdering anyone, so I don't really have a problem with them tracking it. If they want to, if they want to see that I went to Audi on Saturday afternoon, then, you know, go for it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of little things that people are putting in as conspiracies, but I think, you know, by and large, we're, we're doing very well and we should continue to do so. It's good to hear that uh, futsal's going strong in this state and, and, you know, with people like yourself at the helm always will. Um have you have you worked on all your your um, changeover of all your signage and your media things? You know, uh, thinking like your radio advert and other <laughs> things that we might like to play a new one on. Yeah, well, there's like we're always working on on improving that stuff, and it's been a big focus since we've had the changeover. Um, improving our our social media and advertising, I guess, campaigns. Yeah, um, and we are getting new signage done for. All, with all of the new logos and all that sort of thing, it's a little bit of a process and yeah. wanting to make sure that we get it all right. But And uh, it doesn't yeah. just happen, does it? You know, that's the thing. No. It, it's certainly, well, a, a big part of it is about placement and making sure that you're, you're getting everything right. So um, we are we are also still, uh, the Football Association of WA is a not-for-profit organisation. So we're not rolling in enormous amounts of money that we can just waste it on on anything and, and then just go and redo it ourselves. If you're spending so, on football, you're not wasting it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but if we if we get a whole bunch of signage done up and, and then it doesn't actually work or it's not what 
we really need it, then we have wasted it. Yeah, so absolutely. No, I know. You, I know what you mean. Yeah. All right. Um, now I know that you're you're a huge fan of female football and follow it intently. And obviously, the the big thing this year is the Olympics and the Matildas um, have been having some pre or pre tournament matches. What's your take yeah. on on those games? I know. I saw an article this morning from where Tony Gustafsson sort of said that he's happy with where they're going and how they're going. Maybe expected them to be a little bit further along, but he, he's pretty happy with where they're at at the moment. And I think the the defensive resolve, I would say, and the mentality that they showed defensively against Sweden was a hell of a lot better than the previous week. Um, and with the attacking players that we have, like you've got Ellie Carpenter is a fullback, but is one of the most attacking players that you'll see. Absolutely. You've got Hayley Razzo, Emily yep. Gilnick, Sam Kerr, Chloe Legazzo, like Caitlin Ford. You've got a ridiculous amount of attacking talent. We should be able to score goals. Mm. And if the defensive stuff is taken care of, then you can sort of have a little bit more faith that the attacking group is going to get something done. Um, and I think he's, he's looking and, and taking care of that. I was yeah. quite quite disappointed in Mackenzie Arnold's performance the other week. And, um, I think Tegan Micah did quite well when she went in. I don't, yeah. know, I'm, I don't know if I've missed something. Is Lydia Williams injured or is she, has she just not been playing to give the others a run? I don't know. I think she. I think she was was in town. I don't know whether she still is. And I know um, Penny was hoping to catch up. So maybe well, Penny would have a much much better perspective on that than I would. Um, but yeah, she does seem to be on the outer, and I don't know why because she's a very very good goalkeeper. Um, but you know, like you said, I, I thought um, Arnold had gone off a bit, um, and I think you know when you look through the warm up, new coach. Um, new training methods, new um, impetus and what have you. He's got to learn the players as well. And I thought that the the three games, um, there's been a progression and it is a forward trajectory. And I think, you know, I read the same article that you read and it's about peaking at the right time. You don't want to beat your, your optimum now. because if no, you... well, and, and, that, and that certainly is one of the things about, about preparing for tournaments football or futsal is that you don't want to be playing at your best even in the first game Yeah, because if you're doing that it, it's not possible to sustain across a whole tournament no. so you, you want to be getting more things right as you go along and ensuring that players have got minutes in their legs and are getting enough time on the training park to be ready so that you do enough to get through the, the group and then you do enough to get through the the round of sixteen, and then the quarterfinals, and the semifinals, and the grand final. Yeah. I don't think we've ever yeah. we've ever gotten that stuff right. No, as as Australian teams in tournaments, not that we necessarily could have made it that far anyway. But but we also we also have a very immature media who seem to be focused purely on the results rather than the mission. And I think that's probably where you know in the men when people who follow the men's game like Simon Hill and that very much aware of of that side of things and and wouldn't be so hypercritical of the Ollie Roos if they were in a similar position leading into a tournament. Mm. Um, and it's about, you know, 
blooding players, trying new players, trying new combinations. And, you know, just because they're the three best players in their positions, it doesn't mean that those three are your best combination because they may actually um, counteract each other in areas. So, you know... Not work well together. Yeah, it's all about chemistry. And, you know, there's there's all those little one percenters that you've got to try out and, and then try something completely different as you have with the red backs is to go, um, you know, my right back might be the youngest player in the side, maybe the least experienced, but I'm going to give her a run up top because I think she's got what it takes. Yeah, well, and, and that's another thing is that talking about the development of young players, like we, it, and it's probably still going to be an issue for a long time in Australia, and it's been an issue with the men's football as well, is that we don't have enough professional football players. Oh, don't even we start don't me on have, that one. We, 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 could, we could run a whole show on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't have a men's second division to get another 150, No, but, but I've mentioned this previously. Even, even in the MPL, WMPL, we seem to shy away from professionalising that league. And I know we talk about the money, but, you know, anything over $110, you're on a professional contract, you are now a professional player. We professionalise that those competitions and build forward mm. there seems to be some reticence to do that in the state generally and yeah that's that's my little soapbox but i think the the more professional we become the the better we become and i don't think we should be shying away from it we are running out of time rapidly because i've got the handover to the jazz show but um i think we could we could keep this up uh-huh. i will definitely keep you in contact with you over the olympics and we'll, we'll talk about the performances then thank you very much for being on greg no, gents, you have a great weekend. You too, bud. Thanks, See ya. Cheers, guys. Bye. Okay, that's us for the show. Pete, thank you for being on. Listeners, thank you for listening. Um, lots of great football out there. Do yourself a favour. If you're not getting out to a local game, tune in to one of the Euro games over the yep. the next couple of weeks. And, uh, yeah, just... Just keep your soccer fix up. That's all I can say. <laughs> that's right. There's plenty right. going on. Thank you for listening. This has been us. Penny will be in next week. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.